0: This is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog. And I'm here with Kenny, Lady Chow Fung, and Adam. And we're talking about Brave Archer 3, a 1981 Chang Chang movie. This is the third installment of the Brave Archer series. It's, it's, the, it's kind of the final installment, depending on how you cut, uh, divide it. Because there's also Brave Archer and his mate. And um, I think Little Dragon Maiden as well. Um, but this is the, the, this is the third Brave Archer and, and for our purposes, it's going to be the the last in the series that we're doing. And it tells the story of Legend of Condor Heroes, which is the tale of the heroic couple uh Gua Jing and Huang Rong. And in this episode, or this installment, uh, we get to see uh, Huang Rong and Guajing Jing go to Iron Palm Peak and uh, steal a manual from Iron Palm Sect. Huang Rong gets injured, and they seek recovery on um uh from uh, Emperor Duan who is uh uh a, one of the the five greats who is uh now in uh uh sort of like seclusion in a temple protected by his four disciples and he's left the secular world and become Reverend Yidang and they go there to seek healing from him along the way they meet a woman named Ying who uh has a grudge against the emperor and so she helps them reach him in order to uh um uh help herself get revenge and there's a number of events which i'm glossing over and then they have a big final big showdown on their way down the mountain with iron palm peak so uh i'm i was going to get into the the movie but uh does somebody want to say something before we before i go Mm no Yeah, go ahead. Uh, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Um, so, okay, so the movie opens, and we get the uh, sort of a recap of the last film where Huang Rong becomes the leader of beggar sect. Yang Kang's deception is exposed, and he leaves with Iron Palm sect to go to Iron Palm Peak. And, you know, there's a narration that sort of explains everything that happens. And then uh, Yang Guo and Huang Rong go to get the Yu manual uh, they, uh, you know, there's a there's a scene where um, uh, Chief Chan Ren, the leader of Iron Palm uh, Sect, uh, introduces Yang Kang, who is played by a new actor, and we're going to discuss this in a moment. Uh, he is introduced to the rest of Iron Palm Clan, and we get a demonstration of uh, of Qian Ren's uh, Iron Palm technique. Uh, in what looks like a to be a bowl of I don't know if it was hot sand or hot bits of iron. What did you guys think that was? Yeah, hi, hi, hot sand. I think it's. Uh, I thought it was hot iron. Okay, yeah, because well, because his palms were black, and it was unclear if it was coming from his internal energy or the the material that he was dealing with. Um, but uh, so they uh you know, they are alerted to the intrusion, and uh, Huang Rong and Guo Jing find a chamber. And they they uh, they see uh, a, the body of one of the earlier leaders of Iron Palm Sect, and Guo Jing mentions that they used to be a you know sort of a good uh, patriotic sect, and, and and he doesn't think that the former leader would object to him taking the manual, so he, he takes it as they're leaving. Uh, Chief Qian Ren uh, palms Huang Rong, and uh, they have to flee through a back entrance. And, as they're, uh, and, and uh, because they're in an area that's forbidden, uh, they, uh, the Iron Palm sect has to take another pathway to, to meet with them. And they eventually uh, chase them to a hut by a swamp. And so, uh, I don't know, what do you guys think of the Iron Palm sequence and the new actor playing uh, Yang Kang? what a terrible choice
1: like we talked about this previously and it goes from like a, the perfectly cast yang Kang character like young mischievous looking you know not with a little bit of like innocence in him to a guy who looks like he could be the father of the first one <laughs>
0: yeah. he, he just looked very tired compared to the other the other the other yang Kang was so full of energy and this guy just looked like there was no fight in him there was no you know I don't know. Well, yeah, you yeah. Type. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Well, the new Yang Kang is played by Yu Taiping, who is considered to be a second tier Venom, who appears in most of their movies with them, usually as a bad guy, but more as kind of like a um, a sidekick mm-hmm. to like the bad guy, and you know. So, but yeah, this choice was just really bad because he's much shorter than um the original yang kang who was played by yi li min so i mean it's a definite stark contrast you can tell there's a change and the energy around him has changed also
3: yeah the thing i wondered is he was so almost irrelevant to what was going on it's like he just got introduced basically and that was it I, i almost felt like You know, if you couldn't get the actor again, you could have just written him out like, you know, oh, Yang Kong just took off, you know, and and, and just kind of got around it. You wouldn't have had anyone even even commenting on it. It was just kind of weird to bring a new actor in to do so little, I thought. uh, Yeah, I mean, they changed
1: enough of it. Like, you just just said, like, oh, we we sent uh, Yang Kong back to his father. Yeah. uh, Yeah after we found at the sack type of thing, and rather than trying to shoehorn a random actor in just to have him, you know, say, like, a, a, couple, a line or two of flattery, <laughs> and then not have him show up for the rest of the
0: movie. I mean, yeah. I, guess, I guess the good part of it is, you know, you, you, we don't have to deal with him very long, so it, uh... Yeah, you know, <laughs>
3: there is that. It, so for the best, yeah.
0: yeah. so, you know, there there, there, was, there was that. But, but yeah, I... I, I I just did not. I, I get that that he's only like on screen for like two seconds in this one, which is maybe its own issue in the movie. But uh, I, I didn't. Uh, I did not. The, the casting and 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 and, and, and like Lady Xiao Vong said, it's not that the actor himself was bad. It was just like a. It was a weird choice. If you know, he, he he. It didn't. It didn't fit at all. And you really you need somebody with like a twinkle in the eye to play Yang Kang. There mm-hmm. has to be. You know, there has to be something charming about him. And the other guy was so charming and just perfect. And this was, uh, I was just like, what's going on? I guess maybe the, maybe, you know, he, he's just sort of coming off this horrible defeat. So I guess that could sort of explain the, you know, the, the deadness in his face that we get for, uh, <laughs> for the scene, but it just didn't, it didn't work for me. Um,
2: but after the, the shift with, from the first one to the second one, when they change, um, um, Huang wrong, that didn't bother me as much as this did even though he's only on the screen for such a little bit of time the first switch in between the first two movies it kind of went seamlessly cuz i yeah. the first time i watched it i never even noticed that huang rong was different until like probably midway through the movie and then i realized but then this one is just it's a stark difference they needed i guess to get someone more of the same body type or the same Personality to slide in there, even if it was for a few seconds, or they could have just left that scene out because it was kind of rehashing what happened at the end of the last one. So I don't know. They could have just glossed over that part.
3: Yeah, the Huang Huang Rong switch. I mean, the new Huang Rong. It took me a little bit to adjust to her, but she's a good Huang Rong. I mean, once I adjust her, it's like, oh, she's doing a really good job. I totally bought her as the character. So that. Yeah, I mean, any any switch is always going to be a little bit difficult, but it's that was that was a much easier one to take.
0: Yeah, I, I hey, my pretty, point, my, that, oh go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: I was just uh, going on
1: to say, like, my question is, like, why did they have to change the characters? Like, uh, availability issues or
0: hmm. I would probably? It, yeah, I would assume it had something to do with that because I would think the director would either that or the director was displeased with the the previous performer, but I don't think that was the case. So.
2: No, because Lee Yi Min was a pretty good star at that point point. and so i'm i'm guessing he probably was working on another project and couldn't get
0: back to this well, because unlike today to when Golden they Harvest, shoot, didn't he switch to yeah another... he did so maybe so, that was but, it
2: exactly yeah. well, then, he,
0: well the
3: thing is yang kong is a bit part in this so if you're saying he was a pretty big star at the time you might they might have hand- sent him the script he's like i've got three lines no i don't I think it even loop. worked
0: like that i don't think like they got the script it wasn't i don't think they're treated like brad pitt at the uh at the Shaw Brothers well, studio. yeah that's um, a right. good point uh, <laughs> I, I think um i think they have contracts and that's so like like for example yeah. in um we did the uh, uh dragon inn originally cheng Pepe <laughs> was supposed to be in that one that was the plan but it couldn't work out because of the you know the contract arrangements and she was with shaw brothers and he was with um uh, I forget the name of the company but it was a Taiwanese company that made that one um, so, so yeah so uh, but the next sequence is the, swap, the Black Swamp sequence where they're on the run from um, uh, Iron Palm sect and they come to this hut and it's surrounded by mist and it turns out that there's this quicksand uh, that they have to cross over to get to the hut and because Huang Rong knows uh, Taoist formation uh, stuff she's able to figure out that there's a, there's a, I don't know, some kind of, uh, what is it? The bagua, the, the eight diagram stuff, yeah. uh, something like that. Uh, that if you, if you, if you take the right path, you can get to the hut. And so she issues instructions to Gua Jing and they, they cross and they reach, uh, they reach the entrance and they leap over the wall and they get inside. And they meet a woman named Yingu, uh, who's a, a white haired woman with, a, Uh, a lot of knowledge of Taoist formation and math and she's called Divine Mathematician and you know uh, Huang Rong sees that she's making this diagram and they have this exchange and because Huang Rong grew up on Peach Blossom Island and her father is very famously knowledgeable of this stuff she knows all these formulas and she's able to uh, impress her with her knowledge and eventually the woman uh, tells them that if they go to uh uh, emperor Duan, that uh, you know he might be able to cure them, um, and uh, you know as she sort of you know she gives them a bundle that uh, uh, she says to give to the emperor, and, and if he sees it, he'll be sure to help. And uh, as they're eating uh, dinner with her, she she makes some food for them. Uh, she uh, she learns that Huang Rong is the uh, the daughter of Huang Yaoshi. And she gets really upset, and then she reveals that her beloved is detained at Peach Blossom Island. And, uh, you know, and it seems that she's been mastering this Taoist formation magic because uh, she wants to, to free her, her beloved uh, from the island. And so she basically says, you know, I would, I, you know, like, she would feed dogs, but she wouldn't feed, uh, she won't feed them. And so she, I think she, had, she actually literally throws the food out the window or, or something to that effect. And uh, Huang Rong and Guo Jing leave, and on their way out, Huang Rong sort of throws her a math problem, and uh, and um, you know then they 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 start making their way to uh, uh, to the emperor. So I, I left out a few details, but what do you guys think of that uh, <coughs> that scene? It just makes formation stuff seem like glorified Sudoku. I was gonna say that too. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> That's what did, I was thinking. Did,
0: did I make it sound that way or did the movie make it sound that way?
2: No, the movie the, the did. Movie.
0: Um I guess so. I mean I I sort of am trying to figure out uh, it seems to occupy a lot of functions in the in the movie, um and, and in the story and and it uh and, and it's not always easy for me to sort of grok exactly how it's meant to be functioning in in reality like at the at the feet of the characters but um but a lot of I what get, was going on oh go ahead i'm sorry
1: i say that my, my main gripe with it seems to be that this the black swamp is it natural or is it man-made if it's natural then who set it up according who who set up the invisible path according to the um the, the taoism stuff
0: I, I don't know I don't but what I would imagine is if you have it's a quicksand swamp, right? So if you put a sufficient amount of blocks of material into the sand in, in the right pattern you could make a formation that you could cross. Would that be like you could put some kind of structure in there? Or maybe even just like maybe there's like beams under the mist that you can't see. But Or is
1: it supposed to be like fortune telling where you know where where the where where Huang Rong is basically an advanced supercomputer that can calculate the uh, the flow of the quicksand. Based oh, on I get the, you. Like Huang
0: Shui, <laughs> like it's like a I, yeah. I, I took it to mean like there's some kind of concealed pathway that that uh that Yinggu put there and that Huang Rong was able to figure out that that was the pattern somehow. Um on a hunch. I don't know. I don't know. I, that's a good question. Um but uh it's uh it's but but either way, the uh, uh, you know, the crucial thing is they they meet this woman who's very striking and a little bit unusual and is, uh, uh, you know, sends them on a on a path to Emperor Duan, but also indicates that she has a loved uh, a person that she loves very much who is trapped at uh, Peach Blossom Island. I, did she mention who it was at this point or is that not until no. later, oh, no, later? No, no, so. she
2: didn't mention it
1: it's pretty guessed, obvious but I if we've seen that. like yeah if you it,
2: saw like... the first two you know <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah
0: but yeah, but really would you because it's bad. so it's such would you, i don't i i don't remember if i jumped to the conclusion or not when i first you know got to this point in the story but he, he's an unusual person for somebody like her to it's true from, you know?
2: <laughs> well um, that's true but He was the only person that we know that was trapped on the island. So if you use that clue with what she said, then it only had to be him.
0: That's true. Um, So was there, was there anything about this scene that you guys wanted to discuss before we get on to the Emperor Duan material?
3: I say all the all the kind of math problem stuff. I was kind of start you know, going forward from this scene too. I was kind of getting like a Dora the Explorer vibe, you know, like Huang. I was going to turn to the camera and be like, "Do you guys know?" And you
0: know, that's right, twenty <laughs> three. So, well, but, uh... I actually wrote down notes for all of them. So, like, one of them was like the Nine Palace Principle. which she said is based on the analogy of a turtle, and yeah, she says two, four is the shoulders, six, eight is the foot, seven on the left, right. three on the right, nine is the head, one is the foot, and five stays in the center. Nine place theory is the foundation of Taoist formation, and they all add up to 15. So whatever direction you read them in, it adds up to 15. So, I'm honestly
1: not sure that it is the foundation of Taoism.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know enough about Taoism to know you know, any of it. But, and also, I don't know how much of it is translation too. Um, but... But
1: uh, the, the the translation was fairly on point. Oh, was, okay, stuff. it was. I was just sat there thinking, I I have never heard of Taoism using a freaking square <laughs> to, as their foundation. Like, from from my point of view, Taoism should be yeah, you know, from uh from nothing comes um, the Tai Chi Yin Yang symbol, and then from that comes the four directions, and then the eight. Uh, you know, you get the powers of two things You know, two, four, eight sixteen that he do and then, pff, infinite type of thing. Yeah, that, that that's what I thought the foundation was, but apparently not. It's well, uh...
0: maybe this is like the peach blossom branch of Taoism. <laughs> know... <laughs> I don't know. I, I
3: don't know. All the math puzzles worked for me from the standpoint of just how much sheer glee Huang Rong was get it was showing and getting to show off her math skills. It was like she was just really, really enjoying these puzzles, and that kind of made it made it work for me. How
0: how many opportunities does she get though to do that? Like, like <laughs> that must, she was smiling the whole time. She was very proud of herself, like you were saying. Yeah, and so just uh, that look, like of that, that. self satisfied grin that she had. Um,
1: I imagine that's how like how math PhD students must feel when they get a chance to talk about their subject <laughs> in, exactly. in,
2: to other people. Like, yes, someone who can understand what I'm saying. <laughs> and I I've really enjoyed the math scenes being a math teacher. I, I have actually given that kind of problem to my kids where I tell them you have the numbers one through nine and you have to put them in the tic tac toe board in order to make fifteen and all all angles could, need to add up to 15, even diagonally. Could, so that was pretty cool to see something that I actually use in my classroom in a movie.
0: My dad's a, a sales consultant, and he puts clips of movies in his presentations sometimes. And you could do something like that here. You could, you could get a clip of this and, and put it in your math class and... <laughs> and uh, uh, you know provided the numbers I think the numbers panned out in most of these cases, right? They Yeah, the, uh, the twenty three yeah. one pans
3: out. I did that one in my head as I was going along yeah, and that that yeah. pans out. But yeah, if they don't pan out,
0: don't use what the, them. but uh, what's that? <laughs> I said if they don't anyone, pan out you do use them in
3: your class, but
1: um, yeah. <laughs> what, what was that, Kenny? Did any of you understand what the first puzzle was? I have no idea what was going on in that one when they were talking. Like, oh, yeah, I the,
0: wrote that one down, too. So Yeah, um, I didn't actually think uh, about that That was the 505 one. That was just a bigger version of the one that she was talking about, where the sum each reached 505 in every direction, I think. So I think the right. idea was she was just... Try, there were these different formulas for how to get all these numbers to line up. I don't know. I don't know
1: because uh, what Yingu was doing there was like, she was
0: holding a whole bunch of numbers and throwing them in the air, basically. Yeah, doing. like
2: tossing <laughs> bones, kind of
0: like. But I mean it's the really one where weird. she was at the mat and she was putting down the. Yeah, um, well, she
1: wasn't putting it down. She like, she literally like
0: tossed it like she would do for fortune
1: telling, and then she was arranging the numbers, try and for some reason that like, get that would give her the answer to what the next um box should
0: be. But if the theory of but if the theory of the book of changes is assumed to be correct, it would supposedly work, right? Like you would be able to, like, so I think that maybe that's why the she was doing the 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 casting of the sticks thing. But I don't know. But yeah, it was it was an interesting scene. And again, I don't know enough about Taoism or you know, I Ching stuff to, to really weigh in on that. But, um, but yeah, I did, I do think Kenny kind of had it right where it is sort of presented as a Sudoku. Uh, that that is the, uh, that is a very large one. Yeah. Um, but again, it's a movie. You only have so many options to sort of, you know, visually portray these things. Um, I would have
3: liked more trigonometry in the movie. I don't know why they didn't work that. I was a little, that's where the movie let me down, but,
0: But uh, but yeah. So, anyways, they get they go from uh the the hut to uh, uh traveling to Emperor Duan, and this is where they sort of have to deal with these four challenges, these four disciples that are uh, protecting Emperor Duan while he's in uh, his seclusion. I guess um, you know, I, basically, I think he, you know, they they don't want any enemies to get up there and, and, and harm him, so they're very cautious about who they let in and uh the first person that they encounter is the fisherman and uh and he you know right away and was this uh who was it uh, Chungsung was
2: Chung uh... plays the fisherman
0: okay and uh, I thought I thought he was a good choice for this role and uh he um you know he he deduces pretty quickly that she's sick and that she wants to get treatment from the master and they tell him that they're disciples of master Hong Qigong and uh and he asks if they're here on orders from uh hong qigong and they say yes or huang rong says yes and he says that uh you know well emperor duan has already left the secular world and he was accompanied by nine-fingered beggar hong um and so he seems to be suspicious of their story and huang rong adapts and says well okay we're we're his disciples but he didn't send us and uh um, and Huang Rong realizes that when he uh, says that the emperor has left the secular world, that and I don't know what the actual words were, so I, f- I suspect that the translation might have been messed up there. But she realizes that he's become a monk, and that there's a temple on the mountain. And the uh, fisherman says, you know, that there's a path behind the waterfall, uh, and, and you know, if you can find it yourself, I won't stop you. So they basically have to find out how to get up the waterfall, and they find a a stone that they slide, and it causes uh, a path to form from the rocks over the over the falls, and they're able to walk up. Um, so, I don't know, that was the first encounter. What do you guys think of the first one?
2: I thought that was pretty interesting because I was wondering in that era how would you get the mechanisms to
0: work to form the path to go up the mountain like that. Oh, like the gears and stuff to get the right. I mean, I will say they did have very elaborate engineering. I don't know if they would be capable of this or not, but I've been surprised just when I've been doing research for my own, uh, like game set in the Song Dynasty, which is this period. Uh, they're, they're, they have a lot of elaborate uh, engineering treatises and manuals for all kinds of complicated devices. So it, I don't think it's. I mean. I don't think that there was ever anything like this in history, but I think that it's not outside the realm of possibility to create something like this with the technology of the time. Um, I just don't know about the practical, uh, you know, making of it. If that's, you know, if it would have been useful to anybody. Um, but, uh,
2: I like the first encounter. Um, well, I like all the encounters. This is, this is where I really like the movie where, The Venoms appear, so this is like one of my favorite parts of the movie. But I like it because um, it shows how quick and clever that Huang Rong is that she could actually figure out that going in um, has left the secular world didn't mean that he passed away. And she put her surrounding clues because you can kind of see the temple in the distance from where they were. And she put all the clues together to figure out that he'd become a monk and he was secluded. Yeah. And finding out the rock, which rock made the bridge because her father was a genius at hidden mechanisms and things like that. Her father was a genius at everything. Let's just face (laughs) it.
0: Yeah, this is really definitely a showcase of Huang Ron's smarts. Like you get a good sense of her character over the course of the hut and this and then the, the upcoming encounters um,
4: mm-hmm.
0: um so let's see so then the next encounter is with the woodcutter um oh wait yep, my no, favorite the, you uh, yeah i i had a feeling i had a feeling <laughs> um and so with this one he, he uh, it's a it's a little bit more um and, and it's played by uh by lufong and uh it's uh uh he basically agrees to have a bet with them, and if they win, he'll let them pass. And she she says, "Let's see who can climb the tree the fastest." And she she pulls some specious argumentation in order to, to rig the contest and go I feel like favor. it works
1: better in Chinese. Than it, it that's what it. I want. <laughs> yes. So
0: here's what I uh, so eventually what she, what she does is they're climbing up the tree, and then I think she tells. Guo Jing to go down to the bottom all of a sudden, and he goes, and she says, ah, I said, you know, whoever can get to the head of the tree, and the real head of the tree is the root of the tree, as you would know. Something like this, right? So... Right. uh, uh, And then, in the confusion, she has Guo Jing run back up the tree, and and he starts going up the tree again, and then when he's up there, she walks away, and Guo Jing leaps over and joins her, and then they they sort of run up the path while he's trying to get down the tree. Is that, do you think that's an accurate uh, assessment of the, of the action and the, and the wording?
2: Yeah, that's pretty, pretty accurate. Um, uh, the woodcutter is not the brightest bulb in the pack. Um, I will admit to that. Um, Yeah, she definitely outsmarted him with the wordplay getting, uh, saying that the root was the head of the tree because that's where the water beads the tree and the foot of the tree is the limbs and the leaves so she definitely outsmarted him there and um was able to get by
0: him quickly and and kenny what was that you said about language you said something about the the translation not working as well
1: yeah i feel like there was some wordplay going on there um which they've did a decent job of translating into English, but I feel like it would if if you understood what she was saying, then you can sort of see the trickery that she was playing from the get-go rather than be, being contrived definitions of uh, of what the root in the head of a tree is type of thing. Okay,
0: okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of the Zhao Zijing deception in Return of Condor Heroes when he agrees not to share something with a what was it, with a fourth person or a fifth person and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he gets around it because there's a group of people and says there's no fifth person and so it's a similar line <laughs> of logic um, but they they find the path and, uh, and then their next encounter is with the farmer and here there seems to be no path up the mountain instead there are two creeper ropes and uh, if they can guess which one is correct I guess they can go up is the idea and he sort of with his body movement suggests that he's more protective of the <coughs> ropes. And so Guo Jing goes over to that rope. And, uh, and then when uh, Wang Rong has him pull the rope, uh, a big giant boulder comes down and the guy has to grab it because uh, it's a trap. And, and, uh, and so he's stuck there holding the boulder and they're able to run up the other rope. And the
1: only reason he is protecting them is because she mentions that, uh, they were Hong Qigong's uh, mm-hmm. disciples at the last minute. and like, Oh crap. Oh Hong yeah. Hong Qigong is a guileless person. And you know, he, he, I can't hurt his disciples.
4: I can't yeah. protect them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause he's basically, he's got a trap set up where when he pulls the rope, the rock will come down and beam the person on the head. And, uh, and so, um, so it was an interesting, it was an interesting, but a quick one I thought. Um,
4: mm-hmm.
0: and, uh, and then after that, we get to the uh, the encounter with the scholar, which is the I thought the more striking of the encounters. Uh, they get there, and there's a scholar reciting Confucius, and and uh, Huang Rong is definitely in her element, and uh, <laughs> and she asks how many students he had, and I think he said he had three thousand followers, and seventy two of them were acclaimed, and then uh, and then she asks, yeah, but among his students, how many were young and how many were old? And uh, he's like, oh, the Analects don't mention this. I don't know. And then she's able to sort of figure out through deduction uh, that that, uh, uh, that I think there were like 30 children. Or no, 30 grown-ups. And, uh, and so he's impressed. And, and he basically you know says, okay, I'll ask you a couple of things. And if you can answer, I'll let you go through. And so I think the first one was like a, a riddle with um, a, 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 a zither and a, and a Pipa. And the... Um, Oh, what was that? Oh, oh, sorry. And uh, and and then the next one, uh, she had to deliver a line herself, and she sort of delivers a line that, uh, is in keeping with what they're doing, but also sort of compares these four disciples to ghosts and monsters and and various things. And and so he's impressed by her scholarly abilities, and he lets her through. And but he says, you know, but I want to see this gentleman's kung fu and Guo Jing sort of leaps over him and grabs his uh his his cap uh on his top knot and and he's impressed enough to let them through and so i probably left out a couple of details but that's sort of the basic uh structure of the scene uh what, what did you guys think of this one
1: there was a lot of sort of scholarly stuff going on there that was a bit difficult to understand even like when you can sort of tell what they're saying mm-hmm. um i think what was impressed me the most about this scene actually is the uh, the couplets um the rhyming couplets sort of uh so to give a bit of background basically what, what they're doing there is they've got like a phrase a uh, short phrase of several words and the idea is you have to say something which matches either, I don't know what the exact rules are, you have to either match, like, it has to be the exact opposite of each word, but the meaning has to be along the same theme, um, and that's something so, so, so to do with the, the way the words sound as well, so it's not easy, Like it, it's not supposed to be easy to be able to match these couplets, and, um, and the, the fact that Huang was able to um, both meet the requirements of uh, the sounds and the meaning of the words and mock the, uh, the, the the four disciples at the same time is supposed to be quite impressive in terms of uh, her actual uh, sort of, not education level, but her, her, her uh, book smarts.
2: Yeah, I thought that um, this was a perfect showcase of her intelligence and her cheekiness. Um, she was able to match wits and uh, words with the scholar. She was kind of like you said in her element but she was also i think a bit smarter than the uh the actual scholar was
0: and um oh go ahead
1: because she, she also has the benefit of uh, um a perfect memory doesn't she uh, yes which, which is mentioned like once in the movie <laughs> the why she's so uh smart which
0: she gets from her mother um yeah and uh and yeah, so then the, the next scene, they arrive at the temple. This is where I really start to enjoy this movie is where we meet uh, Reverend Yi Ding, uh, Emperor Duan, um, who's now a, a monk. And uh, they give him a bundle and it contains the Mandarin duck fabric. And then there's this sort of dreamy music um, that, uh, you know, I, I, it said at the beginning of the movie is performed by Jenny. When I looked it up, it's Jenny Tseng, um, who's also a Shaw Brothers actress. And, uh, and Sheng's wife. Oh yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I thought, I thought the music really added to it again. I, I was saying before the podcast, I thought it kind of had a loungy vibe to it, but it, I don't know. It just worked for the, uh, the mood they were trying to create with the, the love, the love story. That's uh, the background of what's going on here. Um, and so he sees the fabric and he basically says, okay, well, let her come if she wishes. And he's talking about the, uh, um, uh, Yingu, who was the woman they met at the hut, and he, they, uh, he agrees to to heal Huang Rong, but he tells Guo Jing to guard the entrance even against his disciples, and he's not exactly clear on why that is. But then he does this, uh, this interesting, uh, I, I guess you could call it like a form or a dance, where he's moving around the room and then he's touching uh, Huang Rong's meridian points. And, and, he, and he is able to heal her of the Iron Palm Strike. Um, and we're going to talk about that for sure. Um, and the, the disciples try to sort of force their way in. And Guo Jing stops them. And then when everybody realizes the healing is over, the fighting subsides. And we learn that uh, Reverend Yiding is going to lose like his power for five years, basically. And he uh, is going to need to recover. And so that's why they were trying to stop him. Because they knew that this woman was going to come to try to get revenge. And... Uh, she had sent them knowing that, that he was going to be weakened and that would give her a chance to come and attack him. And, you know, at first, he's just going to send Gua uh, Jing and Huang Rong away, but they come back and he uh, tells them this backstory, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, but uh, what do you guys think of the, the, the dramatic healing ceremony? I know you guys had some thoughts on that.
1: Um, I, I just thought that was... A very strange demonstration there like the the, the the sort of stance is facing away from like the the target for the healing and the posing and then the very light taps on the on, on the acupoints so is just like uh, doesn't quite work for me um and I, and I guess like sort of my visualization of what the um solitary yang finger the one yet the yang finger looks like is More impressive than the sort of uh, the the weak shit is shown on the screen there.
0: (laughs) There was to me there was a funkiness to the to the presentation of the of the yang finger that I don't know. Again, I was like I was saying before the podcast because of how tall T Long is and his sort of just his his physique and the and the form that he's doing and the sound effects of what was it just I I totally hear what you're saying. But in a in a kind of in a in, in a very stylistic way, I, I, I found it compelling. I I Same I, here. Uh, I enjoyed you know, it. I, I
3: haven't read the book, so I had no preconceptions or it's, anything. It's I,
0: it's definitely not what I visualize with this either. I just I just thought that it was like a given the time the movie was made and and all these other things, it just kinda I don't know. There was a psychedelic component to it somehow. Well, what didn't help
2: for me was the lights that kept changing while he was doing, you get a red light and a green light. And I don't know what other color lights, but they're the two I can remember. And, and his dancing around, that's not what I expected the yin-yang
0: finger to be. It's, not at all. I think it defies expectations. Even if you don't know what the yin-yang finger is, you get in there and you, you see that. And you're like, what is, that. what is going on exactly here? And yeah. uh, But I don't know. It just worked on a very strange level for me at work. Uh-huh. Well, I had, had a
3: moment like, too right before he started where I was just like, I was like, I, I, there was just this feeling, like, wow, this is a big moment. What is this going to look like? You know, they're going to use special effects and then he started doing his thing. And I was like, Whoa, okay. I didn't,
0: didn't, <laughs> it had like a, It looked like if somebody combined a martial arts form and some form of like break dancing, that was very easy to do. <laughs> like that was what it looked like to me.
1: Uh, <laughs> I gotta say that like, when he first started doing it like i thought he was great. like he was like standing a distance and doing his stances. i thought he was going to channel chi through his finger like a finger bullet sort of thing and that would be striking her her acupuncture points and that would be healing her maybe but no he was just doing that in preparation of getting closer
0: apparently well i think he was channeling um, his energy as he was yeah uh, doing that but
1: uh... Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess the reason why it's so jarring for me is just because the the Yang Finger is is the martial arts that the the Duan family you know uses, and it's supposed to be like the it, this is his claim to fame and being one of the five greats is because his Yang Finger is so strong, and <laughs> this is why he's on par with uh with <laughs> with with oh and uh and the uh, peach boss and island master really but
0: look at the results kenny he heals her yes. iron palm technique has, Yeah, i yeah, um, yeah, a that brief moment of, of of silly stances to to to, to achieve tremendous results but, uh, <laughs> but yeah i i would i would agree i i mean i i i sort of agree with both sides here. i think i think on the one hand it does kind of look a little bit odd i just find that very compelling about it it's uh um just the way it's done um but i like uh, the music yeah the music well the music again i'm very susceptible to music and and i find that the music throughout this whole backstory is really sort of helping me get drawn in um but now we get to a point where Reverend Yidang sort of sits them down and tells them, and I really enjoy sort of the back and forth here where he goes in and out of the backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he tells them that uh, the founder of Chuan Zen sect uh, Chong Yang, who um, is uh, apparently sick and and not going to live very long, has acquired the nine yin manual. And he comes to uh, Dali with Zhu Batong and He's concerned because Uyung Fung has this great toad stance and he doesn't want uh, Uyung Fung to win the next uh, Mount Hua uh, competition. So he, uh, he, showed, he, he says that he, he's decided because, uh, um, and again, Reverend uh, Yi Yang at this time is just the Emperor Duan of Dali. Uh, because he's known for his Yi Yang finger, he's going to, uh, to show him uh, some of his Quan style so that he can he can master it and he'll be able to handle U Young Fung at the competition. But it's going to take some time, and four to six months. And we 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 see a very young Zhu Batong with jet black hair, and in something about him being eccentric when he's young is a lot more jarring than him being eccentric when he's old. <laughs> and and he uh he's very impatient and impish and doesn't understand sort of the regular rules of conduct uh, but really loves martial arts but it's clear that he's going to be bored here and he sort of st- starts to object to this idea of being here for six months and so the emperor promises him that he'll assign a person to keep him entertained and he'll make sure that he has a good time and you know sure enough you know Zhu Batong is exploring the palace and he ends up bursting into the inner chambers of one of the concubines who's practicing sword play and this immediately intrigues him and it leads to a love affair between him and the concubine uh which we'll get into because it's a very unusual one and the concubine we discover is um uh yingu except at this time she's just known as uh as lu ying and um uh so the 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 empress or the queen uh eventually finds out about it because Zubatong is stubborn and does not know the rules. And he pretty much refuses to leave the bedroom when they're, uh, you know, when they're, when they're being intimate and the queen is about to arrive. And, and so he just, you know, basically just lets everybody know what's going on. And the queen immediately goes to, uh, to Duan and tells him what's happening. And when Chong Yang brings Zubatong before him to apologize, uh, Emperor Duan very graciously offers to let Zhu Batong marry uh, Lu Ying. And Zhu Batong refuses because he says he doesn't want to get married. He just says, "Just you know, you can kill me. You know, that's fine, but uh, I refuse to get married. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and the Emperor says, well, I'm not going to kill you. And so Zhu Batong says, oh, okay, well, I'll just leave then. And he gets up and he walks out and he leaves. And, uh, and, uh, and so... Uh, we get back to sort of the present where uh, Reverend uh, Yi Deng is sort of explaining this to them. And it sounds like it's going to be sort of just a, a funny story where we learn that Ju Batong had a baby. But he says, oh, no, no, it's not over. Uh, you know, something bad happened. And so uh, in the, we find out that she had the, the child and in the middle of the night. Uh, she doesn't know it because it's dark. And in the book, I think he's wearing a mask. But, in, uh, but uh, Chief Qian Ren bursts into the chamber and iron palms the baby and she takes the baby to Emperor Duan thinking that he was the one who sent in the assassin and asks her to, asks him to save it. And Emperor Duan realizes that he has this Hua, Mount Hua competition. And whoever did this, did it knowing that if he uses his Yi Yang finger, he won't be able to perform at the Mount Hua competition. So he hesitates for a very long time. And, uh, and it's clear that he's not gonna, it, or it seems he's not going to decide to, to help the baby and uh and uh ying gu's hair turns white at this point and she uh she ends up stabbing the baby and vowing revenge and so that's sort of the 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 backstory before we get back to the present and more stuff happens but i don't know what you guys think of the uh the dramatic backstory and the uh the the iron palming of the baby and juba youthful antics
2: I love the backstory. I think that's probably my favorite part of the movie besides the end fight. But um, I thought it was very interesting that you put uh, another love story inside of this already epic love story that we already had going between this young couple. But then we get to find out about another character in another love story and the hair changing to white was very cool except for i wish they had kept that white wig from when she was in the palace throughout the whole movie yeah instead of changing back to the
0: other one i i don't know why i like the, the pure white one better but i think the pure white is more cinematic than the because the other one of them was like a plausibly gray wig and one of them was like a stark white sort of you know uh that had like that to me looked more cinematic than the the i don't know the more earthy colored one that they had right um but yeah i I think this is uh you know uh, to me these these sort of like secret backstories that you learn are sort of the jin yong like specialty like i feel like he really excels at at unloading these the this hidden information on you um yeah, so, I'm always
3: a sucker for stories within stories myself. So that won me over.
0: Yeah, I re- but but the funny one about this, I really like seeing Ju Batong at such a young age, being <laughs> so like again when he's older and eccentric, it's one thing, but to see that he's like this when he's like, I don't know, I don't know how old he's supposed to be, but he's supposed to be young. Um, it, it's it's striking, and uh, and he's just got absolutely like whatever uh, everybody else in the world is. Uh, sort of understands about social rules and considerations he does not have any concern for those things even he's very
2: co- uncouth and he's very uncouth and in an innocent way because he doesn't know the rules because he's never been taught the rules it seems like he'd been in like
0: seclusion almost well i feel like I, even if you taught him he wouldn't he wouldn't follow the rules. I feel like he's, he's just...
3: aggressively not following. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's like he came off as more aggressive in the younger version. like you know we saw him in the previous movie. He's the eccentric, weird old guy who acts childish, but uh, yeah, it's like you know the, the the initial scene where he gets introduced to the emperor. there they're, you know he is he's getting right in the emperor's face and you know just it was, yeah it's 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 a different energy to uh, to the older version. And I was mentioning this to Brendan earlier as
1: well. But I definitely think Double is supposed to be a representation of um, autism or someone on the spectrum because he's, <laughs> you know, no, 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 seriously, because no, he, I get it, I get it. He's being mentioned as being a martial arts prodigy, and he has no sort of empathy for other people, and 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 a, and a lack of ability to understand social situations. And I think that's like that's about as textbook as you can get really yeah (laughs)
2: yeah. i'm only laughing because i totally understand being a teacher and i have a group of children that are on the spectrum and they get focused and obsessed with one thing and they can't follow social rules so i i totally get what you're saying
0: And I think it's reasonable to conclude. I think, I think I mean, obviously when the book was written, knowledge and language of things like autism was, was much more limited. But obviously the, you know, he would have seen people that were on the spectrum and that might've been a source of inspiration for the kind of character he was trying to create. So I think it's fair yeah. to say, even if it wasn't something that would have been uh, part of the lexicon at the time, that that, that he was probably still, so this Joubaton character he feels very much like an autistic character to me. I, I think Kenny's spot on with that. Um,
3: well, I like, I like the, you know, Emperor Duan seems to be a pretty compassionate character in general, but it's like that he kind of accepts that, Oh, he's a guy who you know, this is the kind of guy he is. I get that, and he just kind of rolls with it, you know. And I, I that that was a kind of an interesting touch there too. <laughs>
0: well, and and you will see you'll. Uh... The depths of his compassion have yet to be seen. Actually, <laughs> okay, uh, and uh, you will you will oh. witness them in Return of Condor Heroes. Um, but but he he's he. Oh, go ahead, the of his oh, I
1: was to say that one thing I find amusing about this whole love story between Double Tongue and um, Yinggu is that from one point of view, it is a tragic story of love and loss from mm-hmm. Linku's point of view, and from Zobo Tom's point of view, it was just a nice little fling, and it's all fun doing its own thing. <laughs> yeah yeah because he doesn't know that he's had a child he doesn't know that the uh, that the child was iron palmed and then consequently stabbed by um its own mother um because the emperor wouldn't save it or the emperor hesitated too long in saving it and he's just doing his own thing being all happy and bouncy and
0: (laughs) (laughs) whereas
1: jinggu is like heartbroken
0: he doesn't find out for some time and they sort of end up in this situation We'll, we'll get we'll get to that at the end where we deal with the final scene but um but yeah, I don't know. And the whole thing with the baby, we just see like, you know, Qian Ren is this despicable guy. Like he, he iron palmed a baby in a, you know, um, and, and obviously Yidang feels guilty about it because he didn't heal the baby and he's, he has responsibility to the, the outcome as well. But he at least is remorseful. Um, but when we get to the final battle, it's clear that Qian Ren has no remorse for, uh, for what he did there. Um, so, uh, yeah, but to get back to the present where, you know, after the done with the story, uh, you know, Reverend eating explains that he feels remorseful and he basically says, look, you know, let, let her come and kill me. Like she, she deserves to have her revenge. It's kind of like a, um, uh, who is Bill's brother and kill Bill where you know, that woman deserves her revenge. Is it, that sort of a moment? Um, and, uh, you know, he, he, uh, uh, you know, he, he basically, uh, Gua Jing and Huang Rong, uh, s- try to save him by sealing his, they, uh, Gua Jing sneaks into his room and seals one of his acupoints. His, you know, his kung fu's suppressed now. So, you know, it makes sense. And, uh, and, and then they sort of lay some hurdles for Ying Gu when she comes to, to do her killing. And, and so Huang Rong lays like a formation hurdle for her, uh, Gua Jing tries to stop her to bridge, but eventually she gets past all this and she makes her way to, um, uh, and, and also, uh, Gua Jing impersonates Yi Ding, uh, so that when she first tries to attack him, she has to fight Guo Jing, but, uh, but eventually she gets to, she gets to the, uh, to Reverend Yi Ding and... And she's about to, to kill him and she can't go through with it and she drops a knife and and she flees. And um Reverend Yi Ding has his disciples escort uh Huang Rong and Guo Jing down the mountain and basically says, Look, if she encounters any troubles, be sure to help her and uh and, sa- and and he and he says to be on the lookout, you know, in case the uh iron palm sect are still snooping around. So uh i don't know this is the penultimate scene but what do you guys think of this one math is back
2: with okay. the the formation that um that wrong yeah. set up the math came back so it's kind of like full circle in a way and but you know auntie ying is not having it. She just starts kicking everything over oh, to get through.
3: So, um. um went to all this trouble setting up an elaborate math scenario, and she just. Uh, Ying just wasn't going to get into it. it I loved kind of how mad
0: she got, too, when she wasn't. She, you know, so you're not going to comply. She's <laughs> very, <laughs> very upset that, uh, that Ying Wu was, was, uh, was, was not, was not joining in in the fun there. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I
1: still find it means that she thought that would stop uh, Yinggu like, against. So I'm fine. I'll just blow out all the candles in the back of the <laughs> and the
4: bucket.
0: Yeah. she just ignores. That. I mean, yeah. It, so... yeah, She she was very dismissive of Huang Rong's attempt. Um, but but I don't know. It, I think it at least gave her time. That by the time she got to the end, she uh she couldn't go through with it. And Yi Dang was fully committed to letting her kill. He was sitting there with a look of peace on his face. as she she was preparing to strike him he was not going to stop her um so i think that the first obstacle with putting the four disciples
2: at the front trying to appeal to her at the very beginning when she came up the mountain and talking to her like she was still the lady and trying to empathize with her and get her to realize that She's no longer Lady Um Lu. He's no longer Emperor Duan. So you two really don't have anything to do with each other. And then the other obstacles in between her actually getting to Um Yi Ding gave her time to think about what she was going to do and then eventually she couldn't do it. That's my personal opinion.
0: I think I think you might be right on that one. Um I, I... But I, I think it, either way, she, she definitely has a change of heart when she is when she's actually in the moment of doing it. And um, and, and so and, and she and she flees from the scene. And then this is what leads us to the final battle where, uh, you know, she's leaving and she uh, encounters Iron Palm Chief and and they trade palms. And she realizes at that moment that, oh, this is you're the guy who killed my child and uh and he is his response is essentially, so what? yeah, you know, like I mean there's more to it than I barely that, but remember it but, but yeah he, he yeah he does he barely he, he she has to like remind him of all these things before he even it even jogs in his memory Oh, and, that uh, baby yeah. I <laughs> yeah yeah he's he's obviously done a lot of killing this is uh probably not his one and only crime um and uh and and so uh you know uh, guaging eventually arrives with Wang Rong and Guo Jing fights uh, the, the chief and then a big fight breaks out and then during the fight uh, Zhu Batong shows up and Zhu Batong starts putting uh, peach flowers on the back of the uh, the bodies of, or on the bodies of the, uh, the Iron Palm sect members showing where their weak spots are and because of that people are able to eventually cut them down and then uh, Guo Jing strikes uh, Iron Palm chief he spits up blood and he falls into a pond and uh, and Jube-tong ends up running away <coughs> and uh, Yingu chases after him. And that's the end. Um, I might have glossed over a couple of things. It was a pretty long, exciting battle. Uh, uh, what did you guys think of this, la- this final fight scene? Because one of the things we really haven't talked about is the fighting in this one. Um, and part of yeah, it, I think... it wasn't is, that much fighting. Yeah, you know? yeah no, there, was, yeah. There, there wasn't a whole lot of real all-out battles. And there were a few moments of martial arts, but they all kind of felt very stop and starty. And and they were really sort of between bits of dialogue. It was almost like casual martial arts use leading up to a conversation, um, right? But this was the first like, oh, this is a this is a martial arts movie. We we have martial arts to tend to. Um,
1: it was a really long fight scene. Like I I just thought it felt a little bit dragged on. I mean, I get that they were trying to show that the Iron Palm disciples were you know sort of on equal footing mm-hmm. with Dings' um, uh, disciples and that you know if we were not for Tong showing up and pointing out the weak spots to them the battle would have been more protracted of injuries on both sides type of thing um, but it did feel a bit too long there
2: I enjoyed the battle I liked um, well it's typical Venoms fighting with the different sorts of weapons I like the weapons that um, shang Che employed in this movie, the fisherman was able to use a very large oar as his weapon. The woodcutter used an axe. And I like um, Lu Feng with long-pulled uh, weapons anyway. They're my favorites to see him with. Um, the scholar used his fan and his kicks. And um, the farmer used a kind of like a hoe-type tiller. Weapon and then the iron palm. I like their weapons were kind of strange but very interesting with the large iron hands. I, I love the, was... the
0: iron hand, hand. I don't know what you would call them, but the iron hand, the iron stable. palms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, when you say iron palms, then you think the guy's doing that. I'm trying to find a term to distinguish them, but uh They're
1: like maces but with palms. Yeah, of yeah. You yeah. can like
0: slap somebody with a metal hand. I just love the the idea. Of, like, whack. And uh, uh Adam what did you think of the of the
3: I I agree with Kenny that from a dramatic standpoint it the, the fight scene did go on an awful long time but on the other hand the people doing the fighting were really talented so I think that that saved it for me it's like I was it was it was, it was like I said it was so I, I'm kind of somewhere in between I think well it did stretch out a long time but it was good it was it was a very very uh satisfying scene but uh and going back to our theory about Zhu Batong and so on too just him kind of showing up and he just he he just you know it just, it just highlights how he sees the world different way it's just like hey you guys it's obvious here he just instantly sees everybody's weak points and <laughs> like kind of comes in and it's like you know he just it does have this very very different perspective on things I, I really enjoyed that about him in that scene
0: yeah and i I like this scene. I think it's a great fight scene. I think it just blazes the way the the movements are just so precise and on point and fast and 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 the impact feels intense and I, I I so I liked it. but I also I can see where you guys are coming from because it is a it is a long fight scene and it's coming off of a lot of sequences where it was mainly drama and conversation and adventure yeah and so it, you know, can, it
3: fits weirdly with the movie, yeah.
0: But but I think for a martial arts fan, it's like oh you know, good fighting. You know, it's, it's like it's great. It's a great sort of caramel coating to the to the the the, 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 the candy bar. You know, it just it, it just it just sort of worked. Um, well, but I do but want to say that. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Uh, who wants to go first?
1: <laughs> I just want to point out that I yeah you know, while I do criticize the length of the fights, you know, I think like all the fights themselves were really good and the choreography was great there. It, it's just that they, if it was like broken up into several parts, like in, in throughout the movie, I'd have enjoyed them a lot more. Rather than it all being so concentrated and then flicking through different sets of people fighting and then going to the Iron, uh, you know, the Iron Palm Chief and uh, watching and flicking back to the the, to the disciples fighting. Like it, I I just feel like it. While the fight scenes are great, it, it just wasn't a very good fit in the movie.
2: You okay. know. but. Oh, if you're coming from from the typical martial arts film fan, this is like the perfect fight because it is long, they would rather see nothing but fighting in a film. So this scene actually kind of saves it for a lot of people over the drama. We're kind of different where we take in consideration the whole entire yeah. movie and the and the um story and the music and the costumes and and everything real uh, not real martial arts fans per se but most martial arts fans that like this movie like it because of the final fight and okay. that's just like, what i've noticed oh no go ahead adam
3: I feel like if you were a fan, though, that only you 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 like this movie for the fight scene. I feel like I feel like the movie would be a disappointment for you because you have to sit through this whole movie of stuff that doesn't hold your interest to get to this big scene at the end. You know, you're just like, oh, I'm gonna watch the YouTube <laughs> clip. You well, know? there are <laughs> movies
0: like that though, where, where where they're known for the fight, and sure. I mean, uh, I sort of understand. So when I. F- First got really nerdy about martial arts movies. It was when I was doing martial arts, and and for me the most exciting part, and I think still the most exciting part is the fighting. Um, and I could honestly watch a whole movie with no story that's all fighting, <laughs> and it would be fine and great. When it has a story, I I enjoy that too. But I am definitely more in the camp of is the you know the fighting is kind of the thing that I'm there for when I watch it. Yeah, part. or I should say the movement, the physical movement of people in the In front of the camera doesn't have to be fighting but like it's got to be something that holds my interest visually um yeah but but this uh, is but this is a movie that is very much driven by uh a lot of good story too and and it and it restrains itself until the very end and so it does create sort of a unique opportunity for a conversation about the role of fighting and the role of story and how seamlessly those should be put together in this kind of in this kind of movie um and I don't know. I don't think there's any one right answer. I feel like my opinion is changes a lot over time, and I go back and forth constantly. I go through these periods where I only care about the fighting, and then I go through periods where I'm more interested in the story. And uh, I think sure. you know, it's just one of those things where it's sort of a perennial topic of discussion. Um, but, uh, but also because this connects to a very well-known book, uh, you know, I, th- I think, you know, the story strength, I think, is derived from the story that they're that they're drawing from. Um, and uh, and again, one of the interesting things, you know, if you, uh, you me and Kenny are doing the Return of Condor Heroes, which is the sequel, and we're doing uh, uh, five chapters at a time. But one of the interesting things about that is how I mean, wouldn't you say that they they devote a lot of uh, time in the chapters to to, to fighting like like the, the I would say there's more fighting in the books than in the movies sometimes. Um, because the, the, the books really like, you don't, not only do you get like the, the fight scenes themselves, but they explain sort of the principles of what's underlying the fight scenes. And, uh, and you get all this sort of other additional background information about the fights and, uh, and, and it's, and it's, it's gotta be very inventive because they're, they're trying to keep fighting interesting on the page. So. Um, yeah don't the, I, I can
3: see it from that perspective i mean if you're a, you know if you're a fan of the book it's like wow we get to see the bit we, we finally get to see the scene where they finally fight the iron palm clan you know it's like i can see i can see if you're coming from as a book reader going to see the movie wanting that to be a huge big fight well, definitely
0: well, well i guess i'm sort of saying opposite things at the same time i'm saying on the one hand <laughs> there's a lot of fighting in these books but on the other hand there's a lot of really good story and, mm-hmm. and so, uh, it's, you know, I think, I think what Kenny is, is picking up on is the, you know, the fight scene in this feels oddly distributed given the overall, uh, you know, like you said, like the, the movie itself, there's very little fighting until you get to the very end. And then there's this long fight sequence. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, 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 for whatever reason, this, this version or this, 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 Part of the movie works well for me.
3: know um, oh, I liked it. I, I'm just saying it was kind of an intellectual thought. It's like, wow, this is, you know, it was more of a, on an emotional level. I was enjoying it, and it was more my brain kind of, kind of, you know, just having a, you know, jumping into critical mode there a little bit. But uh, I liked it.
0: But uh, and I, I should say we you know we're gonna have to end it pretty soon here. so we are going over the time limit. But but well, um the the thing I wanted to sort of get back to was, and we might do Brave Archer and his mate. We haven't decided because technically that does sort of wrap up the other plot elements, but what is everybody's favorite Brave Archer movie so far? What's everybody's least favorite Brave Archer movie so far?
3: It's, uh, you know, this is my first time watching any of them. So I feel like my answer won't be my definitive answer, but honestly, I enjoyed this one the most, just because I, I I mean, I know the characters. I was involved from the beginning. The second I sat down to watch this movie, I was excited and I was on board. So, you know, maybe when I've gone through and watched this a few times over, you know, the trilogy repeatedly, it might shift. But at the moment, I I enjoyed that last one the most.
2: The third one's my favorite, definitely. Um, I think because... The final fight scene, well, the big battle at the end is, I think, well choreographed. I didn't think it went on too long. I think it gave each of the actors their own time to shine with their um, specific weapons and um, allowed um, everybody a chance to do what they had to do. And I just liked it because I thought it was controlled chaos. There was so much going on. All over the screen with everybody fighting in different ways. And then there were actually points where um, characters switched their opponents. And it took me a while. I had to watch it several times to figure out how exactly the opponents were switched in the movie. Um, and I good. thought that was pretty cool because that just kept me thinking. I was like, "Wait a second, he was fighting him, but now he's fighting him." Like yeah. a couple of seconds later, so I had to, you know, watch that scene several times to figure it out. But I like the the backstory inside of the story. I mean, this whole thing, the third one just wraps all of it up to me. The first part was a build up. The second part was a meaty middle, so that you're vet invested in what happens next and um so the third one's definitely my favorite i guess the first one is my least favorite but i like them all
1: so for me it's slightly different so um in my opinion the first one was the best movie followed by the third and then my least would be the second um, but at the same time, I, it's kind of a little bit of a toss-up there because I, I liked how the first and the second movies had sort of scheming and plotting within the movies, as it were. And I, I I enjoyed those little things about movies there. So that's why I would rank them slightly higher. The third one, like, it's it's kind of like... Okay, so to explain why I don't like it as much would be... Um, to use an example say you're watching a drama movie and then towards the end there's like a 20-minute shootout. <laughs> you, you can, if you can see where I'm coming from with this, it's a bit... Um, there's a tone
0: it, shift. There's like a tonal yeah, shift. Yeah,
1: the, 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 the tone shift is a bit too extreme there. You know, you go from like trying to understand like all these like clever little puzzles that Huang Rung is trying to do in the movie and then you, you, then you have a massive fight scene and it's just like, well, they could have... Uh, I, don't know, I don't know how much of this is down to the the, the, the source material not spacing it out enough. The, um, the
0: source material. Uh, this this la- that last scene there it was. I remember it very differently, and like, Iron Palm Chief doesn't die. I think it was. I I could be wrong, but I think it was on a river, on a boat, and it was a little different. Like it was a, a lot different, I should say. And I'm pretty so sure Muñiz was there, um, but I could be confusing sections, so I don't want to fully commit to that but i think it was quite different yeah it's just, I,
1: I just think in terms of pacing like if they would woven the fight scenes around and and i don't know i i just feel like that it could have been paced a little bit better mm-hmm. but yeah my my opinion is that the first movie was actually the best because it, the the way they could introduce the characters and have you immediately like, get what they were about if that makes sense that i thought that was a very strong point in the first movie yeah um and I, I I sort of I I'm, I also like the whole training arc sort of thing le- and and the, the whole learning the martial arts as a sacrifice kind of thing. So that's probably why it sticks out to me the most there.
0: Yeah, it's I find it very difficult. I think I think number one, I think all of them are very good. I think the first movie is great at establishing the atmosphere. That opening shot when they're on the you know in the Mongolian camp and you have the wind blowing and then everything with Mei Chao Fung. I love all the Mei Chao Fung stuff and the adventure in the city. There's a lot of stuff going on in the first one that I think is engaging. Uh, for me, the second one is always the one that kind of gives me the most emotional weight and sort of just feels like the center of the film. Um, but I'm constantly going back and forth between the first and the third one because I like a lot of the elements of the first one. I really like the backstory elements of the third one. That's the part that really draws me into that one. And the fight scene at the end is tremendous. So uh, it's it, it's kind of a toss-up between those for the second uh sort of the second place one like which uh so i you know it's a tough one but i would generally lean on the second one as my uh you know if if i'm gonna if i'm only gonna be able to watch one brave archer movie this year i'd probably pick the middle one um but uh it's uh it's you know it's it's always tricky i think also i want to say i think it's good that people disagree on some of these things because (laughs) it's a totally valid thing to disagree on and i i i i think that uh you know, there's there's more than one, you know, good reason to like a movie or not like a movie, and uh and in, in the case of these things, I don't think there's one way that these movies should be done. There's there's different reasons that they get made. You know, you you you, you see a movie like um, uh, Reign of Assassins, and that's much more sort of on the. There's a lot of really great action stuff, but that has like a very rich story. Um, but then you know a, lo- a lot of the movies that that uh that are also you know. Uh, you know, equally enjoyable, but not as uh, devoted to uh, to depths of story. But they have you know really great action sequences. Those can be a lot of fun too, especially especially if you got people like the Venom Mob involved. You know, then then it's like a uh, you know the the physical mastery to me is is something that I like to see. Uh, but not everybody's got the same cup of tea, so I like having different points of view where people are respected. Um, so. I will end it here because we've gone way over what we normally do. And we'll be back on next week. We're going to do a Chinese ghost story, which I think is more on the story-rich side of uh, of things. But there's plenty of of, 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 uh, of, of action as well and, and a lot of sc- sort of scary moments. And that's going to end our, um, our, our February cycle. We were trying to do stuff that was love-themed, so that's why we did The Brave Archer, and now we're ending on a Chinese ghost story. And I thought this was a good series for uh, you know, for that purpose. It really does have a lot of love elements to it. And, and so we'll be back next week. Uh, Adam and I will be back over the weekend with another Babylon five. And on Tuesday, you can expect to see our, um, uh, lady 87 campaign session, uh, again. And uh, until then, we will talk to you later.